Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Okay, so on the new website, we have just released a bunch of new webinars, and I am super excited. My plan is to do a monthly webinar going forwards. So we've just launched eight new webinars for the rest of this year and even leading into 2023. You guys are going to be able to access all of these webinars completely for free. I'm not going to charge for any of these, even though I probably could. They're going to be very, very high value. But you can access all of these for free if you guys go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar. So you can either go that route or if you guys just go to the new website and you go to expatmoney.com and you scroll up to the header menu and under resources, there should be a tab there that says webinars. Go to that, look at the page. We've got webinars on a bunch of different countries in Latin America. We've got some crypto ones coming up. We have different types of investment. It's going to be really excited. So what I want you to do is kind of take a second here pause this episode. Don't forget about this episode. This episode is still really important to listen to. But pause this episode, go to the website and register for the webinars that make sense for you. So if you go to expatmoney.com and go to the header, you're going to be able to find the drop down on resources or just go directly and go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. These are going to be a lot of fun. We're going to do them live. I think most of them are going to be at 7 p.m. Central time. We might have a couple that are starting at different times, but every single month, new webinars on going offshore. Okay, go check it out and let's get back to the episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe, and this is the Expat Money Show. Today's guest is a New Zealand native who grew up on a sheep farm in the North Island. University took him to the USA, where he learned the importance of free speech, becoming the founding editor and chief of the Pan Am Post and its founder and director of Econ Americas, a financial consultancy devoted to Latin America. He has traveled to 19 of the 20 nations in Latin America with stays of more than a year in both Argentina and Guatemala. Please welcome to the show, Fergus Hodgson. Fergus, how are you? I'm doing great, Mikel, and Anna, and I'm pleased to speak with you on this topic that is, I consider more and more important with time, this topic of jurisdictional arbitrage and finding the place that fits you best. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited for today's conversation. You know, you've traveled a ton in Latin America. I'm in Latin America today, so I should have lots of interesting insights today. So why don't you take a minute and kind of walk us through your backstory. How did you get interested in Latin America? How did you get interested in financial reporting? I want to hear it all. Yeah. So I don't know where to start sometimes, but I guess you're right. A shipping cattle farm in New Zealand was my upbringing and I was restless 
and always had an itch for exploring from a young age. And then I found out basically I had a sufficient athletic talent to pursue scholarships in the United States. And so when I was 18, I started pursuing those and I came as a 19 year old. I went to Boston University on a rowing scholarship and that irreversibly made me much more amenable to exploring as a migrant and seeing the meaningful differences between countries. So in terms of getting interested in Latin America, I had a dear friend from Colombia and while I was at, at Boston University and maybe being a, a little bit dejected or let's say not so satisfied with the United States and New Zealand, I just bought a one-way ticket to Colombia in 2010 and without knowing it, I became somewhat of a specialist in reporting on the region. As I got maybe more mature in my career, I began to think that we should focus more on our personal actions, our personal financial well-being, and stop trying to be sacrificial lambs for political causes. Yeah, I understand that completely. I mean, I work with a ton of private clients, and sometimes you work with someone and you can tell that they're a severely unhappy person. And I just know that it doesn't really matter where they're going to move in the world. It's not really going to matter. I mean, there's a certain amount of work that needs to be done on the inside and the external location is not going to fix the problem. Yeah. So there's a, an important book by Harry Brown, which maybe some of your listeners are familiar with, How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World. And the basic premise is that focus on your actions, what you can do to change your life, that, and that can include moving to a different jurisdiction, state, country, and that rather than complaining or trying to overturn these you know, monstrous institutions, which you have zero chance of changing, basically. So I took that to heart. And I also found that as in terms of my consulting or journalistic work that I like having quantifiable results. I don't want to deal with uh, so much political ideology and more with, yes, just finding people's freedom, helping them make better incomes, whatever it may be. And that's what I focus on now. And it's been a long journey, right? So I've been an expat, let's say since about 2003, although I went back to New Zealand for a few years. And uh, each year basically gets better and better. I feel more at peace with where I am. Yeah, because I think that I'm a libertarian. Okay, I'm a libertarian in that the non-aggression principle is my true north. But I'm not a libertarian as in I give a shit about the LP or I'm trying to do any political change or I try to follow any of those types of things. This show is about freedom. I mean, at the end of the day, that's all this show is about. It's about freedom. And for me, being an expat and, and living overseas and having navigating things are real life things you can do in your life to have more freedom. And for everybody, it's completely different what that means, but this is the best vehicle I've ever found for it. Yeah. There's a lot to say about the whole expat experience. And I tend to agree that if you are frustrated by government institutions or feeling like you're not free in certain ways, yes, moving between jurisdictions is the swiftest route to addressing that. And so, for example, or let's say you're in Canada and raw milk is banned 100% across the country, which is insane. In Ireland, I'm an also a citizen of Ireland, it's legal. You can just buy raw milk whenever you want. So people all have different, let's say, priorities in terms of their freedom. 
And often it, it's arbitrary which places have certain freedoms and which places and have other freedoms. It, it, it can be confusing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and today's topic is Latin America specifically, but I mean, we can talk about anywhere in the world. Everywhere is going to have strong points and everywhere is going to have weak points. I mean, it's going to be down to you as an individual to match that up for your value stream and for your list of importance. There's going to be a hierarchy on this. You know, for me, Panama is amazing, but for someone else, maybe it's terrible. You know, I grew up having to shovel three feet of snow every day in the winter and I absolutely hate that. I want nothing to do with the cold weather. So for me to live at sea level and be close to the beach is fine. I like that very much. But other people, you know, it's terrible. So, I mean, that's a really silly example, but it just goes to show you on every level of this, it can. The nice thing about Latin America is you have the spectrum. In most cases, you have the spectrum here. It's a huge geographical range. You have different governments, different structures, different laws, different languages, climates, people. I mean, there's just so much to explore in this part of the world. Yeah, there is a great deal of variety. And Panama in particular is distinct, right? Because it is somewhat of a tax preferential location. It has a much stronger American cultural presence, given the canal, the use of the US dollar. It also it has a strong Caribbean flavor more than other countries in Latin America. So yeah, they all have their own advantages, disadvantages. And Panama, I'm not surprised that many Americans have made their way, and Canadians in your case, to Panama. What are some of the other countries that you enjoyed spending time in in Latin America? It's strange what I will remember, but for, let's say, good time or warm friendships, I always enjoyed Colombia. If you would like a more sophisticated life, even though their economy is a basket case, Argentina, Buenos Aires, Palermo, really nice. If you want maybe, let's, I'm trying to think, better business opportunity, maybe somewhere like Peru. I feel like Lima is a place where you could establish a startup. It depends what you're looking for. If you want a low cost of living, Central America has a lot of options there. So I've been through so many places now. In my view, if you want to make a home, I mean, it's not not really a, a difficult question. Just get on the plane and, and go looking and stop theorizing and get on with it because there's a process. I mean, that's, a, that's your business. You're helping people through this process. There's a, there's a transition process and you won't really know until you put some time into it. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. People who want to only read about it and think that they're going to find out the very best place and it's gonna, they're going to know and understand it. I mean, it's not until you actually get off the airplane that the journey starts. I mean, even something as simple as the sophistication of the architecture and landscape, Panama City has an impressive skyline. It's very developed, whereas Guatemala City, where I lived for a year or two, is more modest, right? They actually have so many earthquakes, they can't build up tall buildings. And so some people, they really like having the, the more modern skyline and feeling like they're in a more civilized place where others like a bucolic setting. Yeah, like, I mean, Guatemala as an example, I think is a perfect place. Like, okay, I've been to Guate. I thought it was probably one of the ugliest cities I've ever seen in my life, but I lived in Antigua and Lago de Atalan for six months and it was stunning and it was like so interesting and there was so much stuff going on and cool people traveling through and I studied Spanish there and I had a great time. Last time I was in Guatemala was about 20 some odd years ago, 21 years ago. But for sure, different strokes for different folks, I suppose. Yeah, so you're right. I'm not a big fan of Guatemala City as a place. 
to settle in. Most of the expats, as far as I can tell, do settle in Antigua, right? So town of maybe 40,000, I think, 30, 40,000 people. And it has a lot of history. And you have maybe an expat community around you. So you have a best, you know, you have a bit of both worlds. You've got the, the gringo or American cultural options, but then you can enjoy what Guatemala has to offer as well. So they will have international schools there. Antigua, it's a bit more diversified and set up for arrivals. Personally, and I'm not saying that this is the best way by any means, but it's what works for me. I like a mix of having foreigner expat friends and local friends. I never go to a place where it's all locals and I never go to a place where it's all expats. I mean, even when we lived in Abu Dhabi and it's 90% expats, I still had friends who were locals that we would go and eat with them and spend time with them. It's hard to break into the culture, but when you do, it's very rewarding. But at the same time, from my own mental health, I want to be speaking my own language lots of times. I want people who are international and it doesn't have to be like, oh, just Canadians and Americans. I mean, now I have friends from South Africa and Germany and Spain and Portugal and from places all over the world. And I like that mix on a daily basis. Yeah. So you and I, we both have online businesses and we have incredible flexibility with our lives, our location. So it's wonderful, but also at the same time, it can make other people not necessarily relate to us. They might have, I hate to say, it, but more mundane jobs, lives, whatever it may be. And that's why I guess having other experts around us, we can relate to them better. At the same time, I guess one of the reasons to leave is to find a new cultural experience to enjoy. So that's where, like I said, a place like Buenos Aires in Argentina, they have a good mix of both you know, foreigners and a rich cultural history to enjoy. For sure, because I mean, this is not the digital nomad money show. I mean, I think that the big part about being an expat is learning the culture and incorporating yourself and making you fit the culture opposed to always trying to make the culture fit you. I think this is a big, big difference and why I love this lifestyle. Like I'm always trying to learn the language. I try to learn the food. I try to learn the history. I try to have local people, but having a bit of a pressure valve where you do have people that you can relate to who are in a similar situation for me is the sweet spot. I like it on both fronts. Now, when you were in Guatemala, did you mostly spend time with just locals or did you have an international group of friends as well? Actually, it was mostly locals, although I must admit that this wasn't necessarily planned, but it tended to be the aristocratic locals. So the wealthier or more educated classes, just because they would be the conferences I would go to or the business events, whatever it may be. So... And Guatemala is a peculiar place where Panama, I suspect, is more just everyone mixes together well, but Guatemala is, has a much more stratified society. And so many people, even though they live in the same location, it's almost like they live in different countries because they just bypass one another. Yeah, I've seen that in lots of places around the world. I think that it's important as an expat to find one that there is a bit of a harmony between the local people and the expats because most countries do need expats they need foreign direct investment they need the tourist dollars that come in these are important parts for many countries and if they're actually hostile to foreigners coming in it probably doesn't make a great mix i remember traveling through france and they absolutely hated tourists like with a passion they would rather spit on you than help you and i have lots of great French friends, don't get me wrong, but 
I couldn't live in a place like that. I just couldn't, where they're so openly hostile. Yeah, and one point you made earlier about adapting to a different culture, we're not all the same. There are different cultures around the world, different values, different habits, different preferences, whatever it may be. And you cannot expect other places to change to fit you. It's just not going to happen. And you'll find yourself sorely disappointed if you think they're going to adopt, let's say, Canadian ways. So that's one thing that people, I guess, should just always be aware of, that you're going to a foreign country and they have their own traditions, basically. And, you know, you may prefer them or not prefer them. It depends. Yeah, I think that if you are looking at things like as an adventure, like this is exciting to learn about. Like I've had some people go, oh, Latin America. Oh, I'm going to have to learn Spanish. Instead, others are like, oh, my God, I get to learn Spanish. Like this is exciting. Like this is a new experience for me. And I'm going to use it in real life. And the joy that happens when you actually, you know, go to the store or sit down or you ask for directions and you do it all in a foreign language and they understood you and you got the response you needed and you actually were able to live your life. Simple things like that become so cool and neat. You know, my wife's from mainland China. Like I learned from her every single day about a new culture and a new society and a different perspective on the world. I like this. I like the difference. I think that's what I'm trying to say. I like the differences. I'm not trying to fit everything into a box, which I understand. I just, I like change. I like differences. Yeah. I don't see the language barrier as a problem either. Learning a language is really just a matter of immersion and getting on with it. I just learned Spanish mainly in La Calle on the street. Now it's a part of my life. Of course, I don't use it every day, so it can dwindle. But yeah, I would never let the language be a big barrier. I just feel like humans have an incredible capacity to learn if put in the right circumstances. Yeah, like, I, like you can say, as you say, it's an advantage in many regards. So I want to get into some of the other countries. I thought maybe we would start with some of the really crazy places, if you will. Like I read that you had been to Cuba and, and Venezuela. I've been to Cuba, but I've never been to Venezuela. So I'm quite curious about that. Yeah. I mean, look, my, in my role as editor-in-chief at Pen and Post, I got to go almost everywhere in Latin America. And fortunately, because I was working as a journalist, there's almost like a record or archive of all these trips from the articles I wrote along the way. And I got to go to Venezuela twice, well, in 2014 and then at the end, so the new year in 2015. And this was right at the peak of, let's say, the conflict between the opposition to the Chavistas and the dictatorship. And it was just a dystopian reality, a fascinating time to be there with all the lines, with the hyperinflation, with chaos. And I still remember being up in, in a tall hotel in Caracas, and I just read an article, a satirical article, 10 reasons why I'm a Chavista to basically mock the regime. And it was going viral around the country. And I was thinking, gosh, how is this even possible? I'm not even from here. And there's that, that saying, no man is a sage in his native land or something like that. So I felt that. And many of my dearest friends are Venezuelans uh, and exiles now. And they obviously in their lives have shown the merits of leaving, right? Leaving a place and finding better opportunities because Venezuela has become a nation in exile, much like Cuba, where the middle class or educated classes left a long time ago. 
And so there's almost like a lost or forgotten nation that was, let's say, the 70s and 80s of Venezuela that people cling to or reminisce. But now it, the country is largely hollowed out. So, yeah, there's a narco dictatorship there. <laughs> yeah, lots yeah. of Venezuelans here in Panama. I mean, I've traveled pretty extensively in Colombia as well, and it's tragic the Venezuelans that are there because, I mean, you've got about 2 million refugees in the country and a lot of them are young males and there's not enough work to go around and there's a lot of problems because of this. In Panama, we don't have the same kind of problems because they all have legal work permits to be here. And my barber is Venezuelan. He's an awesome guy. I mean, there's so many great people from that country, but it's truly tragic what's happening there. Mm, it is tragic because, of course, the country had a promising trajectory and there was a famous tower or Torre David, the Tower of David in Caracas that was hoped to be this big, the World Trade Center towers, but the Venezuelan version. So basically a gateway to economic activity in Latin America. And unfortunately the man, the gentleman uh, who owned it or was leading the project died. And then Venezuela got into a, a downturn and it became overrun with homeless people basically. So that, dream for Caracas did not come to be. Wow. What other places did you get a chance to visit while you were in Venezuela? Was it just in Caracas or did you get to go out to the islands or anything like that? Yeah, I got to explore around the country. I went to uh, Valencia, Barquisimeto, Carora. My dear friends got married there. So I went out to a the, the wedding in the middle of the countryside. It was lovely. And we had an amazing event. I really got to enjoy the best of Venezuela in many regards. They have great food, arepas, where I go now. And if I see a Venezuelan restaurant, I always go and get myself some arepas and tequeños. So delicious. Nice. Shout out to the Venezuelans. Lots of cool people there. <laughs> lots of good food. Yeah, I'm excited to go. It's on the bucket list for sure. I like going to all the countries that other people don't like to go to. And I like to explore it for myself. I mean, I was in North Korea. And like you said, just being able to see a place like this as it exists they're so unique, these types of places. I'm not saying that in an admirational type of way, but like I said earlier, I just like the differences. So to be able to see what's going on there and learn about it and understand the economics and why the country is like that, it's very interesting because it's not nothing that I'm going to be able to do is going to change the trajectory of Venezuela. So it doesn't matter or North Korea or anything like that. But just to go and see it, just see what a complete totalitarian psychopathic governments, what they can do to a beautiful people. I mean, it's just it's crazy. Yeah, and the point about you being able to change it, isn't it, it is an important one because you can't change it. I think maybe people put too much emphasis on voting and political activism because being an immigrant, in many ways, you can't do either of those two things and you realize what difference does it make? You know, just get on with your life. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the great things for Americans who are looking for a big change in their life. Politics just are not talked about on the same level when you're overseas. And because you can't vote. I've been in Panama for years now. I can't vote here. There's nowhere that I've been to in the world where I can actually vote. So you're not even having, you know, your vote matters. It's like, no, you can't vote. So why even discuss these types of things? Just get on with your life and enjoy and try to savor every minute that you got. Yeah, exactly. And you soon realize it's, it's not a huge loss your lack of the right to vote. Yeah, so I haven't voted in maybe 20 years now. Yeah. 
So on our new website at expatmoney.com, I have put out a special report on getting a plan B residency and instant citizenships. I think that this is really important stuff and I want to get this into your hands straight away. You can grab it for free if you go to expatmoney.com and you'll see it right at the very top. All you need to do is just put in your name and email address. You're going to be able to access it instantly. There's no cost for it. I'm not selling anything. I just want you to get this information. You're going to be able to join my newsletter. You're going to be able to stay up to date with all of the important work that we're doing at Expat Money. And yeah, it's going to be amazing. So go to expatmoney.com, grab the special report on getting a plan B residency or instant citizenship and enjoy, read it. It's important stuff. I think you're really going to like it. Okay, let's get back into the interview. Okay, what about Argentina? Because I mean, they're not as far gone as Venezuela, but they're certainly flirting with a lot of the ideas. I mean, it's an economic basket case down there. Yeah, so the key difference with Venezuela and Argentina is that the leftists or socialists did not manage to totally penetrate or take over the military. So there's still some restraint on the Argentine government. But the reason why Argentina is particularly interesting is the way that there is, let's say, a distinction between the basket case policies and the life that you can enjoy there. So even though Argentina has inflation of about, I think, 30 or 40% right now, and it has an insanely interventionist government, if you go there as an expat earning a foreign income, you can really enjoy your life there. Yeah, there's great food, interesting people. There's a very, let's say, erudite or educated class you can enjoy. You have incredible nature and history, many places to explore in the country. So yes, if you are earning Argentine pesos, you've got a problem. But if you are a foreigner going there, you're in a much stronger position to really enjoy a great place. Yeah. And okay, there's a ton of cultural things. For me, I really enjoy organic food. I'm a big meat eater. I'm not one of these woke leftists who is going to submit to eating bug burgers or anything like that. Like I like South American beef. And even talking to my friends in Brazil, even talking to my friends in Uruguay and stuff like that, a lot of them have to admit that Argentina is the king when it comes to this. Yeah, so they have incredible empanadas. Amazing. So I got fat in Argentina eating empanadas (laughs) and they deep fry them in beef fat. Amazing. They have incredible food, super affordable. Obviously the carne asada, is the favorite, let's say, barbecue beef, which is amazing too. There's a lot to enjoy there. The point I was trying to get to before, which maybe didn't come through, was the way that good news, the slow development of a nation doesn't make headlines. So often you can become distracted by all these negative headlines, which are necessarily inaccurate, but they're not the full picture. And so especially when it comes to the, the protectionist or interventionist government in Argentina, this, this is a fact that they, ha- they have that. There is an enormous informal sector and you can buy almost anything on the informal markets. So what is it called? Mercado Libre, I think, is the Amazon or Craigslist equivalent down there where you can get a lot of things basically at very affordable rates. And so the people there have basically learned to work around their government and uh, the sticker price is often not what you have to pay. Well, I've heard the similar things from former USSR countries where it's like, all right, these are the rules. This is what the government says, but 
there's always ways to navigate it. There's always ways to work around it. And although this might be the official rules, it's not the reality on the ground. Exactly. And also Buenos Aires is a big haven right now for cryptocurrency or blockchain innovation. It's one of the, the big capitals for use of cryptocurrencies, especially in terms of being paid because people want to be reimbursed or paid for their services, not in the domestic currency. So their failures in terms of currencies or in terms of dealing with inflation have made them more amenable to innovation. I mean, I get that completely. I remember having a conversation with a Brazilian friend of mine. I think I was actually one of my Brazilian lawyers. And we were going back and forth. I think I was engaging his services for some work or another. And he was saying, cryptocurrency is nice in Canada and the US and Panama, where you live. It's a nice to have. But here in Brazil and Argentina and stuff, it's a necessity. Like this stuff is like absolutely needed. Just to remit funds outside of some of these countries, they levy massive taxes on it, like huge percentages. Yeah, it's becoming more of a necessity in Canada too. As we all know, your financial sovereignty or privacy in Canada has been destroyed. So one of the interesting insights or tidbits coming out of this basically stealing of bank accounts by the federal government in Canada was that they could not freeze or steal people's cryptocurrency accounts. They didn't have the capacity to do that, which tells you if you feel threatened, even Canada is coming for bank accounts these days. Which is ridiculous to think about. Like, I mean, I just never thought that would be the case. Canada is supposed to be a free country. It's supposed to be a model or that's how they wanted to show themselves as a model for the rest of the world. And they've just turned out to be one of the worst. I was watching some clips from parliament a couple of weeks ago, and I think it was called Proposition 100, where now the government, you can seize any property, including your primary residence, if you're protesting and going against what the government says, or these same type of things that led to the seizing of bank accounts. So what are they going to do? Break into someone's house and throw them on the, the street in middle of December and minus 20? That's an actual reality. Like that's being passed right now as law in Canada. This is bonkers. Yeah, the veneer of civility and so-called tolerance in Canada is all gone now, except for people who are stuck watching CBC or other garbage, right? The regime or uh, propaganda media. So anyone who thinks for himself and follows alternative media knows that Canada is in a bad situation right now. And uh, there's just a huge difference between what you hear in alternative or independent media, real media, versus that which is subsidized by the government is basically seeking to propagate ideas that will defend tyranny or an ever expansive state. And the uh, Canada is a sad story for me because like, I mean, you, you were born and grew up there, but we did have, Canada has had this image of, yes, civility, decorum, and I just feel like that is long gone now. It, it has evaporated quickly. Well, and it's an interesting point for today's conversation, speaking about Latin America, and we can look at countries like Venezuela or Cuba and look at what's happened. It's not like we don't have examples to point to. And then, I mean, I was reading reports that some Venezuelans were eating their pets. They were eating the bark off of trees because there was not enough food there. And hardcore communism, this is what happens. And it's like, they want to bring this to other Western countries. I'm like, are you absolutely mental? Can you not see? Can you do you never look at a history book? Right. I don't know how much your listeners know Canada, 
But if you look at guys like Jagmeet Singh and the current prime minister, I mean, it's, it's almost unspeakable how communist in orientation they are. When guys like Singh promote Fidel Castro over Twitter, openly celebrate the worst tyrants, that is not a good sign. Let's put it that way. For sure. And I mean, to circle back to your point, cryptocurrencies are becoming a necessity in our part of the world, already are in some places in Latin America. And every tool in the toolbox that we can use to protect ourselves and preserve our freedom, I think is worth a conversation. And that is absolutely what I am trying to do on this show. Yeah, well, people in, you know, that's the most developed nations have become a bit fat and happy or did become lulled into false sense of security. Those days are over, right? Those days of just basically trusting the system or whatever are obsolete, that approach. And you really have to, yes, look at jurisdictional diversification and consider your options beyond just the regular way of life. Okay, so let's go back to Argentina because we didn't really finish that one. And I think that there's a ton to explore. So why don't you, I don't know, paint me a picture. Like what was your life like there? Because you made an interesting point that Argentina really only gets the headlines of being a crackpot economic situation. But you did mention that there are some good things about the country for lifestyle. So I want to understand from the personal side, what was your life when you were living there? What was it like? Yeah, for so many, many good things, actually, right? So we can dwell on the social or interventionist inclinations, but there are reasons why Argentine people are patriotic and proud of their country, right? Because they see themselves as maybe the most refined or modern in Latin America. They have incredible European culture in Buenos Aires, especially, but also Cordoba, uh, Rosario. There were lots of places to see. So what was my life like there? Well, I it was much like you as an online entrepreneur. And at the beginning of 2016, I had flexibility. I decided to finish my lease in Florida. I just went down to Neoquin, which is the largest city in Patagonia, which is the southern portion of Argentina and, and Chile. So I, I just rented an apartment for a year there. And after I'd said a few months getting a feel for the area, and I just began, I joined the running community, made good friends there. I completed a few half marathons. I went exploring the lakes and mountain cities. What is it? Uh, San Carlos de Bariloche, San Andreas. So there are, was it San Martin? I think it is. Anyway, there are lovely spots there. So Argentina really is a country with a heck of a lot going on, but it's a little bit hidden from the world. It's like people don't really know that much about it, except, yeah, the outlandish headlines that somewhat make their way to the first world countries. So what did I enjoy? Yes, obviously I enjoyed the food. I enjoyed my community. I got to speak plenty of Spanish. And there was a strong classical liberal think tank community, let's say oriented community. So there were lots of conferences. Because Buenos Aires is such a prominent city, lots of events are held there. So people from Paraguay or, or Peru or Chile will come there for events. And I just thought that basically it was, a, it was an affordable place to enjoy a high quality of living, quality of life. And especially if you have the flexibility, it fits. Now, I don't know the details about immigration, 
I never dealt with that. I just went there as a tourist and I would come and go and no one ever asked me how long I was staying or anything like that. It was not an issue. But on a more permanent basis, I'm not sure the logistics behind that. I do know that there's actually a constitutional right to open immigration in Argentina. So you basically will not be, you know, you can, you can get there in a simpler fashion than in other, other places. How that relates to getting work there, I don't know, because my recommendation would be to have an online business if you go there. Yeah, I think that's most countries in the world. Having an online business as an expat is the golden ticket. Yeah. And also because hiring people in Argentina is a nightmare. That's why something like half of people are working in the informal sector because hiring someone in Argentina is like adopting a child and you do not want to do that. <laughs> the social security in these <laughs> countries is insane. Insane. Yeah. I mean, and Decimo and... 13-month bonus and holiday pay and all of these types of things. They have vacations every 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. And two, two hour siestas. Yeah. In Panama, I mean, November is a complete write-off. It's like a three-day weekend followed by a four-day weekend, followed by another long weekend, followed by a Tuesday that's off in the middle of the week. Like November is just a complete write-off in this country. So if you have employees in Panama, oh my God. Yeah. And I look back fondly on that time in Argentina because even in the south near Neocan, there were just these beautiful lakes, just pristine water and largely untouched, just no one's going there. So that's one thing that I always enjoy about going to more remote countries, just the nature that's not overrun with people as you'd get. I mean, I, I went to the Rocky Mountain National Park recently here in Colorado, and I just thought it's lovely, but too many people. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit Disney-fied at this point. How about insights on the direction of Argentina? Any thoughts on which way it's going to go? Do you think that they're going to become more of a free country? Do you think that they're going to keep going in the direction of socialism and Marxism? What's your insights tell you? That's really tough. When I was last there, I went to a country club or a private community and people are asking me the same thing. Could Argentina become more like New Zealand, a more free market country? And there are lots of different trends here at play. One, and I'm not usually a fan of international organizations meddling in other countries, but the IMF as the one who has lent so much money to Argentina is strongly pushing for market liberalization. And that's a good thing. Also, I'm an, an extreme optimist when it comes to technology that this is making everything much more transparent. I think it's a great tool against corruption. So in the long run, I'm relatively bullish for Argentina, yes. Argentina is almost at the bottom in terms of economic freedom rankings. So I don't see it getting any worse than that. I, I just see it going up. Also, you realize that governments are only so powerful. Really what makes a country is, let's say that the 70% of people who don't work in government and in Argentina, they are relatively educated, more productive, and that's what makes the life more, let's say, fruitful or prosperous there. Yeah, I think Argentina is an interesting country for expats because I think that you do need to walk that line and kind of keep a solid eye on it because who knows? It's kind of a razor. It can go any direction. I mean, the country's been bankrupt, what, 20, 22 times or something in the last 100 years? It's like, that's... You got to be very careful, I think, in these types of places. Some people who buy Argentine bonds are gluttons for punishment. 
We can agree <laughs> on that. Yeah. For sure. So what about for pure lifestyle countries that you just have fun in, you just like to visit? What's your number one in Latin America? Yeah. People often ask me my favorite country in Latin America. And the first country that I went to was Colombia. And still it's one of my favorites. And in particular, Medellin has, it's one of those cities that has both a strong expat community and a business friendly local community. There's a great deal of mining there. So I see Medellin as an up and coming place to be. There are many other options there. Bucaramanga has great textiles, leather. Well, if you want to be around narcos, you go to Cali uh, in the south. Not my not my place, but basically that's a let's say more festive town. I've enjoyed a great deal many places in uh, many places in Colombia, and it's just where I found maybe the culture to be the warmest and most welcoming. And if I just wanted to get off the beaten path for a while. I would go there. Although I should say, if we can inject one other country, I remember years ago when I was in the south of Peru in a place called Tacna, I remember thinking that if I just wanted to learn Spanish and just breathe free for a while, I would go there. These are more remote places that have great weather and just allow you to live affordably, get to know the locals and just be in 100% immersion. I would go there. So Tacna is I mean, south of Peru. I'm right on the border with Chile. Fantastic. Yeah, Colombia is absolutely one of my favorite places. I went there for two months back in 2003 or 2004. And then I took my family there again last year for about three weeks to go visit some friends. And it's just a joy to be in that country. I mean, there's just so many cool people. They're so warm. There's so much history and things that have happened there, but they've not let it beat them down. I mean, you'll find lots of positive, upbeat people. And Medellin is like so much fun. Like Beautiful just, place. Medellin is a beautiful city. Great place to be. Yeah. And the weather there is like, if you guys are listening to this and you don't want Panama with the super hot and humid, I mean, Medellin is like that springtime weather. It's rain. It's super green. You have like nature everywhere in the middle of the city and it's mountainous and it's just, I mean, the topography is incredible. It really is a beautiful place. And they, they say it's the city of eternal spring in terms of the weather. As for Peru, we got a Peru trip coming up right now, basically. And it'll be my first time in Peru. So I'm super excited. It's not really a work trip. Everything, everything for me is work and everything for me is fun, all of the travels. But I take my wife there for her birthday. So we'll go see Machu Picchu and a couple of the other sites. But at the same time, I'll still try to schedule some things with you know, some of the law firms or view some real estate or try to understand. We're pretty excited for Peru. I think it'll be awesome. Have a great trip, mate. Actually, yeah, so the borders have moved a bit. Peru took a bit of Ecuador. Chile took a bit of Peru. So it's changed over the years. Okay. Yeah. It's funny too, because we help so many people set up offshore bank accounts, company formations, you know, move money out of other countries. And in the last couple of years, there's been tons coming from Peru. So I'm also curious to kind of understand and learn more about the political and the economic situation there, because they're definitely going down that Marxist route, I think as well. Yeah. It's the last presidential election in Peru was a torturous one with one of those pick your poison situations where you had the daughter of this murderous dictator from the 90s, Fujimori, who fought the Marxists, but he was a dictator in, dictator in his own right. And then a full-on 
basically communist sympathizer, teacher union leader. And you wonder, man, what, what, <laughs> what do you do with that? <laughs> you should just be, be glad that Peru was a very, let's say, decentralized or divided place so that uh, the man in Lima doesn't have control over everything. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Probably being such a mountainous country and it's so difficult to get from one place to another that there'd be massive separation and really a different set of rules, something that comes from the government and then something that comes from the community. Exactly. Yeah, there's a much more community-oriented sentiment in terms of what which traditions to follow, which rules to follow. Brilliant. Fergus, thank you so much for your time today. I absolutely love the conversation. It was pretty frank discussion on the different countries and what's going on and learned a lot from you today. If my listeners want to get a hold of you, if they want to find out more about what you do, where can we send them? Well, you can go, you can find me just Fergus Hodgson on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place. My website is econamericas.com. Also, if you want my day-to-day banter, bantering, that is Twitter at Ferg Hodgson. Brilliant. And I'll make sure I put all the links for these at expatmoneyshow.com under his episode. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Mikhail. Cheers. Okay. What a fantastic episode today. I hope you guys got a ton of knowledge, a ton of inspiration. I hope you guys learned lots from this. Now, if you guys have kids or grandkids or nieces or nephews or anything like this, if you have someone in your life ages 8 to 19, and you don't like what's happening in the educational system right now, then my suggestion is to leave. We actually are creating a solution for that. It's called Expat International School of Freedom and Entrepreneurship. I have partnered with my friend Michael Strong. He was a guest on episode 115 of the podcast. I suggest that you guys go back and listen to that. It is very enlightening. And we're going to be tackling a lot of the problems, not just for the expat space and international schools, but really what is happening in public education. Now, I had a pretty terrible experience in public education when I was growing up. If you guys have been on my newsletter or my podcast for any length of time, you probably heard the stories about this. And you know what? I don't want any other kids to go through the same type of thing that I did. And that's one of the main reasons that I am so passionate about this project. We have kids in the program right now. The program is up and running and the kids are having a phenomenal time. The feedback has been amazing and they're learning so much. And we're actually bringing joy back to school and education again. You've probably heard me harp on schools before. My real gripe is government-run schools. I'm really against these in all forms. But what we've developed here is really, really special. It's based on Socratic thought. There's a lot of dialogue. We're going to be dealing with a lot of entrepreneurial ventures. We're going to be talking about money, how money works, high-level mathematics, reading, reading comprehension, foreign languages. There's going to be a lot of things like graphic design, video editing, how to write a resume, how to build a business, how to do emails, how to do content marketing. We're even going to have special classes that I'm going to teach myself about publishing a massive podcast like we have at Expat Money. So... A lot of really exciting things going on. If you guys want to get involved, if you want to learn more about it, if you have friends or family who might want to get involved, all you need to do is go to expatschool.io. You can sign up for our free newsletter there. We're going to have regular updates about what is happening. And if it makes sense for your family, if you have a child ages 8 to 19, 
then fill out the form and we'll schedule a call together. And that's it. Go to expatschool.io and we will see you next Wednesday on the podcast. Have a great day. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region. But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.